You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at Home and Abroad. And while we've been hearing about the dramas of Irish life that often hit the stage, but many of the drama of Irish life happens in other places, be it in the pub or in the home. And many people would say some of the drama can be um, either enhanced or exacerbated by a little bit of Irish whiskey. And Paul Galt is here to tell us a little about some Irish whiskey. Paul is an accredited sommelier, uh, which, as I understand it, his speciality is focusing on whiskey. And we're going to hear. Paul, welcome. Welcome. Yes, thank you very much, Austin. Pleasure to be with you today. So, um, am I right, <laughs> right in saying there's drama in whiskey? Oh, there's drama in whiskey. The, the, the history goes back so far that and it's been so ingrained in the island and the fabric of the Irish. Um, there's, there's lots to talk about and we could do hours and hours and hours, but we'll try to keep it short and informative and lively today. So, a little bit about yourself, Paul. The, the connection and what is your connection to Irish whiskey? Well, as you mentioned, I, I am an accredited sommelier, which, which touches on the world of wine, um, beer, and spirits, of course, which whiskey is. And on a personal note, uh, my father was born in uh, Belfast, Northern Ireland, uh, and the, his family emigrated to Canada in the 1960s, 1964 to be exact. So the, the, the drama of Irish whiskey uh, plays close to my heart um, as it's been involved in my, in my family's fabric for many, many years. Right. So coming from the north, of course, that's just down the road uh, in Belfast, just down the road from Bushmills. Yes, we've been known to have, the Gulfs were known to have a, a bottle of Bushmill or two over the years. Um, it was actually a, a funny little tidbit about my gang. Um, the, the, the political divide could kind of sway into whether you were a Jameson group or, or a Bushmills group, but um, that didn't play in in our world. The, the Jameson was your, was your everyday whiskey or for when you had a little bit of a cough, and then up in the cabinet above the, above the fridge was the sacred Bushmills, which came out for special occasions. So we enjoyed both sides. And, of course, there was the black bush and the red bush. Yes, and black bush was especially for Christmas. Um, I, I recall that coming down at, at Christmas. Maybe a little nip at Easter, but for the most part, that was the, uh, that was the, 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 the very special celebration whiskey. So, Paul, tell us a little bit about your craft then and how it spills over into Irish whiskey. So, in terms of being an accredited sommelier, that, that just means that I've, I've taken a lot of courses and I've, I've had to endure the rigors of tasting a lot of different products. And I know that that sounds like it can be such a grind to have to pour wine and taste wine and enjoy wine. And the same goes with the, with the world of spirits. Um, I choose to focus on whiskey um, because it's been near and dear to me. Um, I'll do a lot of work with the, our military folks where I will lead guided tasting uh, courses with them. Um, and I'll do it for corporate and for private folks as well that just want to learn a little bit more about the different styles and the different regions um, and, and what makes with the Irish whiskey so much special. And what does make the Irish whiskey so special? Well, the, the, there are certain characteristics that are unique to Irish whiskey versus the, the whiskey that's produced uh, either across the pond in Scotland or throughout the rest of the world. Um, some of the key telling aspects is that Irish whiskey is triple distilled, which essentially means that the, 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 it's a very light style of whiskey, and that's unique to the Irish, uh, mainly due to how it was how it was fabricated early on, going back to as far back as the, uh, as the 1400s. Okay. And uh, going back to the 1400s, you have obviously then been able to trace some of the lineage that would bring it back to that period. 
Exactly. So the 1400s is the first earliest known record of Irish whiskey, and it goes back to a, a, an, um, a written document called the Annals of Clonan McNeese, which talks about collecting whiskey as a for, in a form of taxation payment. Um, prior to that, the, it's widely believed that the Irish monks around 1000 AD were out traveling the Mediterranean and the, and, and the Asian continent and discovered um, the peoples there distilling um, perfumes. Um, for medicinal purposes, and the the Irish monks, being the, the the inventive nation that they come from, decided uh, when they got back to Ireland that hey, we can do one better. Not only can we smell good, we can make a water of life, and that's actually where the term whiskey comes from. It's a, it's an it's a Gaelic term from from back in the day of uskebitha, and it got anglicized over the years, water of life, and uskebitha uh, has has evolved into modern day whiskey. The beef have got, got dropped and, about and 200 years ago. Yeah, as we would say, Ishkabaha. Well, yes. <laughs> yes. As, as in modern uh, enunciation of the words, it would have been Ishkabaha. Ishkabaha. Uh, Very good. See, learning today as well. Right. <laughs> so then um, there were periods where distilleries were, um, I won't say quite plentiful, but there were quite a few around the country. There would have been uh, in... Uh, Middleton, and I think Middleton has still, there still is some traces of a museum, at least in Middleton, if not a distillery. There was Tullamore, there was some around Dublin, and a variety of other places. But then a lot of these closed. They did. The, the Irish whiskey from the, the mid-1700s until, uh, until the, the early 1900s really was a world leader. Um, because it was light and it was very fragrant um, due to that triple distillation technique that, that I mentioned earlier, it gained great favor throughout the world. Um, so much so that some of the Scottish distillers started copying the, the, the same distilling techniques that the Irish were, were using. One Scottish distillery in the 1800s actually opened a distillery in Scotland, in, sorry, in Ireland, just so that they could get a piece of the pie, so to speak. However, with uh, with the you know with the 19 sorry with the uh, the early 20th century, what we saw was the independence in Ireland, um, prohibition in the U.S., and a little bit of civil unrest in the island of Ireland, all kind of worked together together to to greatly impact in a negative sense Irish whiskey production and distillers that used to be upwards of about 120 quickly dropped down to 15 or so. And by the 1960s, uh, there was four remaining, and, and three of those four got together and said, "You know what? If we're going to survive, we've got to we've got to form a consortium." And that's how Middleton came to be, out of Powers and Rowe and Jameson. Right. Uh, Bushmills held out until the early 1970s. I believe it was 1972 when they finally joined that consortium as well. But there has been a bit of a resurgence. Absolutely. John Teeling in 1985 um, bought a former potato schnapps factory and converted that to being able to make Irish whiskey. And slowly but surely, so between 1985 and the, and the early 90s, the, the Irish whiskey had a resurgence. And now we're well over 30 distilleries and growing um, on the island. So it's wonderful to see how that's changed. Now, I know if somebody gets the opportunity to visit Ireland, they can do a tour of Teelings, and there's uh, others that just recently become aware of Dunboy Castle Distillery down on Castletown Bear. But if somebody isn't going to have the opportunity to visit Ireland, you provide them with the opportunity to sample some of it. 
I can bring a taste of Ireland right to someone's home or someone's event. Absolutely. You know, the, the, the beauty of, of being such a, a global world these days and being so connected is that not only can you read about these types of products, but you know, places like the LCBO and the SAQ um, are really making strides in, in bringing those products to our neck of the woods. The trouble is when you when the average person gets in front of these bottles, they don't really have a sense as to what's what or or you know I like a certain you know I have certain palate profiles or I'm having an event and I'm looking for some certain food and I want what do I what do I pair with? There's almost too much choice now, um, so that's where I can help people along and introduce them to to something that they may not have considered before or uh, as I've done with the military as an example, uh, we've done food pairings. Whiskey can be very food friendly. Right. Now, you mentioned that the uh, SAQ and the LCBO um, have some product on the shelves, but for some of the smaller, what would be craft distilleries in Ireland uh, and uh, are, may not have the type of distribution that an Irish distillers has, um, is that type of product, is it possible to get it and is it possible for you to uh, explain and share some of it? Yeah, on certain levels it is. As long as there's an importer that's that's working either in Ontario or with within Canada, um, so it, it it comes down to the individual product. There is a, an import agency out of Toronto um, that services all of Ontario, and and they do carry a lot of these special artisanal crafts, smaller distillers, um, and you know working with them and working with the budgets of an individual or a corporation, uh, we can bring some of those in. Uh, we can work with them to uh, to showcase them at different events, um, and, and it's growing. Um, there are some though that still kind of rebuke because they are so small. That kind of rebuke some of the characteristics and some of the restrictions that are put in place. Um, I'll use Dingle Distillery as as an example. Austin, I had the pleasure of visiting Dingle Distillery about eighteen months ago. Wonderful, wonderful product right right there in Ding in the town of Dingle itself. However. Um, the restrictions that the Ontario government has and the LCBO, even to get it in on an import level, we're not going to see it for well, for, for another couple of years. Um, right. And that's, so, even, that's even with the uh, Canada-EU trade agreement in place. There's still, it, it, in, there's still restrictions in some areas. There are. The, the LCBO, one of the downsides, and with all due respect to the LCBO, one of the downsides is because there's so much product, not just within the world of whiskey, but of course, but within spirits and, and, and what have you, um, they, they have limited inventory space. So even the importers have to rent space within the LCBO, and it's a, it's, it's a process to get the product in. So there are certain parameters um, that have to be met, and just the small, small guys sometimes have a, a challenge when they're starting up, I mean, Dingle's only been around a few years, um, but they're hopeful to get in um, into Ontario soon. In the meantime, there are other agencies that can bring in other great product. Um, I've seen Duns, uh, sorry, Dunsville, that's been uh, that's that's just been released in Ontario. Uh, it's an old um, an old brand that dates back to uh, to the north of Ireland. So constantly evolving, constantly changing, and always reading and always talking to people so that I can bring these type of products uh, right into someone's home. So, Paul, we're at that time of the year where there are a lot of celebrations in the Irish community, and the, those outside the Irish community tend to look a little bit closer at things Irish. What have you lined up for the, the, this time of the year? So this time of the year, you're absolutely right. Um, I've got several different 
corporate clients that are doing customer appreciation events. Um, everyone is Irish in the month of March, let alone St. Patrick's Day itself. And it gives me those type of events give me a chance to showcase the different styles of Irish whiskey. We mentioned before about Irish whiskey itself being um, be, being unique in that it's triple distilled. And then we've got within that we've got single malts and we've got pot stills and we've got grain whiskies and blends. So these type of corporate events do a great job of that. And I've also got a, fu- uh, a fundraising event um, not here in the Ottawa area but outside of Ontario um, that I'm going to be showcasing some different whiskey sets. And if anybody wants to find you or learn more about what you do, where can they find you? The easiest way to reach me would be through my website, which is www.somforall.com, and that's spelled S-O-M-M, number four, A-L-L, dot com. Well, Paul, it's been educational and interesting having a chat, and uh, I can only imagine you have a busy rest of the month ahead of you, and I want to thank you for taking the time to have a chat. Thank you very much for the uh, for the opportunity to speak with you, Austin. I, I always love talking whiskey, and hopefully some folks have, have picked up a few tidbits, uh, and, are, and the ones that don't typically drink whiskey will be intrigued now to go out and find a bottle of Irish whiskey and give it a whirl. Indeed. Thanks, Paul. Thank you very much.